Please turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15 will be our scripture reading this morning. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. And the Bible says this, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose yourself, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Father in heaven this morning, please give me strength and courage and boldness. Help me to speak with clarity, and if my words, Father, are confusing this morning, I ask before they reach the ears of the hearers that you'll give them understanding. Thank you, Father, for your word. In Jesus we pray. Amen. We come here this morning to worship the triune God, as some call it, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There are, however, a number of us, who are worshiping other gods in addition to the triune God. When we talk about things we enjoy in this world, we often use the term love, right? You know, I love sports or I love video games. We all love the season that the Royals had last year, not so much the Chiefs. I love this particular restaurant. You know, I love this song or that movie. We talk like that all of the time, and, and it's just kind of a normal part of our daily conversation. We don't really think much about it. And obviously, we're not speaking here of romantic love, uh, I hope. Uh, it's just simply a way of, of expressing how much we enjoy or how much we like something. But it is interesting that we use the word love to describe those things. And, and maybe, maybe... It's more revealing than we realize. There was a song once, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. Remember, anybody remember that song? Just looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, there's some old people in here. Well, today, I want to talk about some of those wrong places. The words that Tony just read for us in Joshua 24 were said... When Joshua was ready to send the people into the promised land, they'd already conquered it. They'd already driven out a number of the nations. Didn't drive out all of them, but they drove out most of them. And they had divided up the land, you know, gave a certain amount to each tribe. And now they were getting ready to go live in the land that God had given them. And so he gave them some advice. And the advice he gave them revealed something. To me, it's a little bit surprising. And maybe you've noticed this when you read those two verses, but for the longest time, I didn't really read those verses very closely, or as closely as I should have. What Joshua revealed in those verses was that the people of God, Israel, were worshiping more than one God. Maybe not all of them, but apparently quite a few of them, they were worshiping not only Jehovah God, but also the gods of their ancestors, it says. 
you know, which refers to the days of, of Abraham, as well as the gods of Egypt, to which they, of course, were subjected for 430 years, and some possibly were even worshiping the gods of the people that they had just driven out of the land. It says the Amorite gods in those two verses. Now, it's a little surprising to me because they, they've known Jehovah God all of their lives. Because Joshua here is speaking to the children of the people, the parents, the, the, the children of the parents who were brought out of Egypt. And the ones that had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years before they came to the point they're at now. And, and, we, and, and so these children and their parents saw the power of God. They, they witnessed the plagues. They, they, they witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. They saw those 40 years, they saw manna show up on the ground every morning and gone by, you know, afternoon. They ate quail, and they didn't even have to go out and hunt for it. It was just given to them. They saw all of this. They saw God run these other nations out of the promised land as they went and, and fought. So they've seen all of this. They've, they've known it was God that was doing that. And yet, they were worshiping some other gods, too. I don't know if that surprises you, but it, it really does surprise me. And some of us in here today are, are making the same mistake. And not just in here, but in many places. Even though we believe in and worship the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there are other gods that are competing for our hearts in this world. When God has to compete with something or someone else for your heart, you are worshiping more than one God. I've referred to this book before, in Kyle Eidelman's book, Gods at War. He relates the story of Kylie Basuti, who wanted to be a fashion model. And in 2009, she won a competition against 10,000 other models in the Victoria's Secret model store. And she said Victoria's Secret was her absolute biggest goal in life. It was all she ever wanted career-wise. And she said she loved it while she was there. But she really enjoyed her time being a model. And just before she achieved her dream, she got married. And her husband and, and, and she became Christians. And she began to think about what she was doing and the example that she was setting. And so she came to the conclusion that her body was only for her husband and not for millions of viewers on TV. And she was also concerned about young girls who, who looked up to her. And then she said this. She said, I finally achieved my biggest dream, the dream that I always wanted. But when I finally got it, it wasn't all that I thought it would be. You know, what, what a shame to devote yourself to achieving a dream only to find out it wasn't all your dream. And I don't. You know, I don't want to be misunderstood. It's not wrong to set goals for your career. But if God is forced to compete with that goal, it becomes the wrong goal. If your mind and your eyes are focused on something and it's not Him, it is the wrong something. But you know, it, it is so difficult to admit that to yourself. 
you know, we, we'll take off here. You know, there are a number of gods in our world for which God is forced to compete, sadly. And you'll find some of those gods in one particular temple to which we often go to worship. And that's the temple of pleasure. You know, we are a pleasure-seeking people. One of the gods in the temple of pleasure is the god of food. Have you ever gone to Barnes & Noble and just looked at the area where they have all the diet books? There are hundreds of diet books there. And just about every magazine that you pick up, you know, there's a there's a, a an advertisement for somebody who lost 100 pounds, or somebody who lost 50 pounds, or somebody who lost even more than that. Uh, why is that? Why is that? It's because food is so pleasurable, we cannot control our appetite for it, pun intended. John 6 is the narrative of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Most of us are pretty familiar with that. After he fed the 5,000, that night he went, he left there. He left that place where he fed them. He went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And when the people who were fed that day, when they got up in the morning, they looked for Jesus. He wasn't there anymore. So they decided to go find him. So they went to the other side. And, and, and when they found him, Jesus said this to them. He said, you sought me not because of the miracles I performed, but because I gave you food. Jesus had performed a miracle proving He was the Messiah. And these people were focused on the food that He'd given them. Jesus then said, don't strive for the food that perishes. Strive for the food that leads to eternal life. And Jesus, of course, wasn't saying don't eat. He was saying get your priorities right here. You remember Jesus having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights came out of that fast, and Satan was the first one that met him. Matthew 4.4. And he, and he said to Jesus, he said, you know, I know you're hungry. Why don't you just tell those stones to become bread? Which Jesus could have easily done. And Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone. Man does not live bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's trying to tell us that while food is often pleasurable, and yes, it's a necessity, it cannot give you what you really need. Only God can. My wife has a little saying that she invokes Whenever the food doesn't turn out exactly the way she hoped it would, she'll just say, it's not your last meal. (laughs) And you know, you can't argue with that. It's not. Because God is going to feed me again. In fact, I can get up from the table, walk to the refrigerator, and eat again if I want to. That's That's how blessed we are. But... If I'm more interested in the food than I am in God, then food has become my God. There's another God in the temple of pleasure. The God of sex. I'm telling you, we are a sex-crazed society. Sex trafficking has become a huge problem in the world. 
You know, when I was growing up many years ago, it was almost impossible for a person, you know, a junior high or high school, to, to get their hands on pornography. It was almost impossible. Nowadays, you have to take special steps to avoid it because it's all over the place. A few years ago, about, about six or seven years ago, I had a problem with my computer. I'd turn my computer on, and I'd, I'd click on the Internet browser. And as soon as the Internet browser came up, pornography immediately came on my screen. I mean, I hadn't even typed in anything yet. I just opened up the browser. And immediately, that's, that's what was facing me. Even today, when I do searches for photos like these for my uh, keynote slides, I have to go into Google, and I have to go into settings, and I have to filter it. I have to go filter explicit images so that I can search for, for images without having pornography show up on my computer. And, and even when you do that, when you go to the, 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 you know, the most stringent setting, still some get through. There's an interesting narrative in 2 Samuel 13, which one of David's sons, Amnon, had a, he was lusting after his half-sister Tamar. And in fact, he was lusting after her so much that it, it made him kind of sick. It's all he could think about. And it indicates in verse 2 that Amnon wanted her so badly, he, 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 he asked his cousin, what, you know, how, can I, how can I conquer this? And, and his cousin Jonadab set a plan in place. Jonadab wouldn't be the guy you'd go to for advice. He said, here's what you do. He said, look, just pretend like you're sick. Pretend like you're sick. Ask your father, David, who was David, if Tamar can come down, come down and make some food for you so that you'll feel better. And so David fell for it. And so Tamar came down innocently enough and began making food in Amnon's home. And Amnon at that point said to his servants, by the way, you guys can all leave now. We really don't need your help anymore. So all the servants went out of the room. So it was Amnon and Tamar. She fixed the food, and that wasn't enough. Amnon then said, well, if you just feed it to me with your hand, I know that'll, that'll make me better. And, of course, you know what happened. She came over to do that, and he grabbed her, and he raped her. I mean, there's, some, uh, uh, there's something really strange about this, because after it was over, Amnon, it says, Amnon then hated her more than he loved her. So he was lusting after this woman. He got what he wanted, but then it just wasn't, I guess, what he expected. And a quote titled Eidelman, it says, When something good becomes a god, the pleasure it brings dies in the process. Sexual pleasure promises incredible satisfaction, but when it becomes your god, it delivers the opposite of what it promises. There's another god in the temple of pleasure that some go to worship. It's the god of entertainment. One of the reasons we're having to make changes in worship is because many people expect to be entertained even when they come to worship God. We've had people leave because we haven't been entertaining enough in our worship. You know, video games used to be just for kids. I remember we got our son there. You remember the old Sega Genesis? That was my son's first video game. He and I used to play uh, Ohio State versus Michigan in the Sega Genesis football. But, you know, according to uh, 
the facts now, most video game is played by adults. According to entertainment software rating board, the highest percentage of adults are 18 to 49 who play video games. 67% of American households play video games. So it's no wonder, it's no wonder the church is struggling to compete. According to CRC Health Group, 10 to 15% of people who play video games meet the World Health Organization's definitions of addiction. 15%. I mean, we're speaking of addiction to entertainment. And one of the reasons that we, that we like entertainment or need it is because it doesn't require a lot of thinking, Right? Uh, according to Eidelman's book, the word amusement is derived from the root word muse. The muses were the Greek gods who inspired writing and science and artistic achievement. When you add the pref- prefix a to that, you get amuse, which means the lack of it. So amusement means the lack of inspiration or achievement. So We need to listen to the person who did the most extensive study on the effects of entertainment that's ever been done in the history of the world. Anybody know who that is? The person who's done the most extensive study on the effects of entertainment than anybody else in the world. Anybody know? Begins with an S. Solomon. That's right. Solomon. He pursued pleasure and entertainment far beyond anything you and I could do. And this was his conclusion, Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. And yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So, Solomon is basically saying what we should already know, that entertainment just doesn't satisfy. It isn't lasting. Now, here's a guy who tried it all, and this was his conclusion. C.S. Lewis once said that we, we aren't born with desires unless there is something out there that satisfies us. You know, when you're hungry, there's food. When we find in this world... No experience that truly satisfies, then we must have been made for another world. Earthly pleasures were never really made to completely satisfy human desire, but rather to point us to the one who can completely satisfy them. We've been created to find fulfillment in God. All the earthly pleasures in which we indulge, it's not going to bring us the satisfaction we're seeking. You know, movies, music, video games, sports, clothing, computers, whatever it is. Now, that doesn't mean you won't enjoy them. Yes, we enjoy them. In fact, God created them for our enjoyment, according to 1 Timothy 6.17. It means they need to be seen for what they are and kept in their proper place in our lives. Way down on the list compared to God. You know, it's no mystery why our society continues to push the envelope in regard to entertainment. I mean, isn't it true that amusement parks are always building the faster, taller roller coaster? 
You know, and, and, and every year, you know, the movies and the TV shows become more and more provocative. Why is that? Because there's, we get no lasting fulfillment from them. We need something more to entertain us. You know, most of you who have been around here for more than a year know that, you know, we made some changes here in worship. We're trying to fulfill our vision, which, by the way, is on the front page of the bulletin right at the top, of creating a dynamic worship. And I and believe it or not, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is the truth. Most preachers tend to worry about how long they preach because we know that if you go too long, you'll begin to lose people. Okay, I see some smiles, so some of you were listening to that. Kyle Eidemann was preparing to go on a mission trip to Haiti. And he had heard from those who had been there before that their worship service can last somewhere between four to six hours. You guys are lucky. I expect some love after this is over. And he was very impressed by that kind of commitment. So when he got there, he spoke to the local Haitian minister about the time difference, you know, between the American worship service and the Haitian worship service. And he asked the minister, why is it that you guys are able to worship for four to six hours? You know, in America, it's, you know, we're pushing it with one. And the Haitian minister just kind of laughed. He said, in Haiti, we have nothing else to do. Now, I know that sounds funny. But think about that for a minute. They don't have TVs. I mean, they don't have very many TVs, radios, phones, computers, theaters, baseball stadiums, football stadiums. They don't have a lot of that stuff. So in other words, God doesn't have a lot of competition. As I was reading the parable of the unjust steward, I came across, this is in Luke 16, I came across this verse that I've, I've overlooked in the past. Luke 16, 15 says, What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Does your lifestyle reveal that you value food and sex and entertainment more highly than God? The God who is the one that created them for you to enjoy. You will never find lasting satisfaction in anything or anyone but God. You will find enjoyment in many things, there's no question, but not the, last, the, the lasting satisfaction that you're seeking. I, I encourage you today to choose whom you will serve, whether it's the God of food, sex, entertainment, or the Lord. The Lord who provides all that simply for our Enjoyment. I, I, I pray you'll respond to that question or that statement like that generation of Israelites did. They said, far be it from us, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. I pray you'll not respond like the later generations of Israelites did because they eventually forsook the Lord and served other gods. And the end result was devastating. But any, and that devastation is still being felt today among the Jewish people. So, I encourage you. Choose this day whom you will serve.